Hello, welcome to Across the Park podcast with myself, Ian Mills. It is the big match preview. And when I say big, it is absolutely massive. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Southampton fan and journalist over at The Athletic, uh, Jacob Townswell. Jacob, Happy New Year, first of all. Thanks for joining Across the Park podcast. How are you? I'm all good. Happy New Year to you guys as well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. And um, I know we're a few days out already, but it does feel quite a nervous, uh, tense game, doesn't it? Mate, it feels massive. Um, I'm nervous, not going to lie. I'm, I'm nervous for it. it, it it's got a, yeah. a feeling of a nine-pointer, not a six-pointer. Yeah. I, I think yeah. if we come into this part of the season now, teams will start pulling away. The tight league becomes untight, and the ones down there will get left. I'm just really, really hoping selflessly it's not going to be us. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think Slampton are going there. Obviously, their record at Goodison is woeful. Um, if they lose again, it'll, it'll be a record-breaking seventh defeat in a row uh, for Southampton, wow. and that's never happened. So confidence is so so low. Mate, you're playing the right team. Trust me. Enter <laughs> ever. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, what we do usually is is, I mean, us fans may not know the ins and outs of, of your season. We, we see some things on the Athletic and we see some things on on the TV. But just to get a fan's perspective, really, of how it's been first of all for you, and then we'll move on to the game itself. I'm looking at. Uh, a couple of sales that Southampton made in the, in the summer, uh, Romeo and Redmond, they, for me, were always sort of staples. When I thought the Southampton, they were probably two of the players I, I did think of. What, what was the reason behind them sales, and, and do you think that was the team? Uh, Nathan Redmond, not so much. I think he was he was coming out of the team towards the back end of last season. Uh, him and Ralph Arsenal had a fractured relationship towards the end. They've always been up or down, but it was towards the end. It just felt the right time, and not many fans would bemoan that. In terms of Oro Romeo, Ralph Arsenal wanted to keep him. Ever, uh, the closest football operation wanted to keep him as well. But then Oriol was, I just had a kid. He wanted to go back to his homeland. And this, he had eight years at Slampton, incredible service. So he went above them. He went to, their owner, to the owners and said, can I leave? And they said, yes. So they granted his wishes. No problem at all. Uh, the issue was replacing Oriol Romeo. And he was alongside Wal Prowse, just the only experienced player there, or proven Premier League player. And he had left on deadline day. So they, they replaced him with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's a completely different type of midfielder, nowhere near as robust. He's not a number six, really. And they've, and they've you know, they've really been effective without Oro Romeo. Because with Romeo, he didn't used to move a lot, but he used to keep things ticking over. He was yeah. a continuity. And without Romeo, it just feels like the Atlanta's backbone, their structure is completely gone. So he's really the main absentee. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he... He's one of those that sprung to my mind. He's not only a good player, but someone that I imagine was, was a fan's favourite as well. He was always a staple yeah. of the team. Um, keep it on transfers. One player, again, I don't watch Southampton awful lot, but, but I think quite impressed, impressed by his Bella Kotchap, the centre-half. Is, is he a bit of a fan's favourite? And, and do, you, do you worry about holding on to him if, if the worst happens? Yes, listen, Southampton uh, never keep hold of their best talent, do they? So I think supporters are used to it by now. Uh, Bella Kotchap, though, he came for 10 million already in the World Cup squad, he dislodged Mats Hummels, which is quite a big feat in itself. Um, he struggled recently. Um, he dislocated his shoulder uh, before the World Cup, and he's not really quite got back to that form, but he's only 20. He's so big, so imposing. And I think Slampton are looking at him. They're looking at how much uh, Leicester got for Wesley Fofana, and they're thinking, if we can get a similar price to that, that 70 million mark, it's, it's, it's going to be good. And so that just speaks volumes of how good he is. You know, Slampton's recruitment, and this is the weird thing, it's been quite good. They, have, yeah. they signed 10 players and along with Bella Kotchap, Romeo Lavia as well, who everyone seems to Chelsea, want. Yeah. 
who Slampton have built the team around, uh, he was a guy that came for 12 million. Uh, so yeah. they've brought some really good youngsters in. It's just whether they've supplemented it enough with the experience. Was it City or Chelsea he came from? Sorry, that... he, he came from City. Like a lot of <laughs> a lot of yeah. their staff and players do at the moment. Yeah, I mean, again, from the outside looking in, it, it always seems to me and some friends I speak to, like the structure at Southampton is really good. Is, is that something that you feel as, as a fan and also as a journalist? It was, but there's a lot of change going on at the moment at Southampton. Obviously, they've got new owners. They only came in last year and they've completely overhauled the structure. A lot of the guys that were there have left. And because the owners are trying to build a multi-club model, they're actually in a process now of moving the scouts from working at Southampton to the multi-club. So they'll be scouting for all their clubs. So okay. the structure's completely changed. So you might admire the structure and things like that, but these new owners have got a completely different idea, hence why supporters aren't too keen and too happy with the uh, the way it's going at the moment. Yeah, me, I'm an Evertonian. It's not hard for me to look out the window and admire somebody else's structure. It's been, been hard enough. Um, the big the big change, obviously, uh, in the season was, was Ralph Hassan, who he, he, was, he was sacked after a 4-1 defeat. The results going into that were, were indifferent. I don't think you started too badly. Uh, win at Leicester, win against Chelsea, and it just seems to fall apart a little bit. And I think there was rumours going into into those those games that maybe dressing room and manager went so aligned. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you know there was a big uh, decision to make in the summer. I think the board were very close to a sacking Ralph then. I think it was 3v2 uh, in that board, so it just showed how close it was. And when Slamton tried to carry out such a renovation in the summer, it probably made sense to part ways with the coach then. But <coughs> Parsons has been such a great coach. They gave him that benefit of doubt. They gave him extra time. But the issue was that it kind of grew stale. Even with the new players, it grew stale. And fans knew it and players knew it. And that's why there was a little bit of discontent. And even when they were having those good results against Leicester and Chelsea, it didn't feel like it was going to last. So yeah. with the World Cup coming, I think the board were always thinking, let's make a change going into the World Cup break. The new manager have four weeks. He'll have a good run of games to get his feet under the table and make those big, uh, get those points, really. Um, so Hartsonetal, yeah, he's done fantastic. He did great service, but it was always feel like it was the beginning and the end, even after those wins. We will talk about um, Nathan Jones. Um, however, up here, what we're looking at now is, is we know the manager's future is, is a little bit doubtful, shall we say the least, but I'm looking at the pool of replacements and it's not really strong. Were you feeling the same? Are you surprised that they, they went for a manager from the Championship opposed to someone as unpopular as it is, like an Allardyce who's got a history of just being safe? Yeah, they wouldn't go for a Sam Allardyce. They, they wouldn't really go there for that. Samson always pride themselves on thinking outside the box, going for these managers no one really knows. You know, Richard Pochettino, you know, I know he was Espanol, yeah. but they got him. They've got a big, extensive database of managers. They keep that updating that. So I thought when Ralph would go, they'd have someone from the German League, South America, that they would go for. So the fact they went for Nathan Jones, who people know, who he failed at his time at Stoke, but he done a really good job at Luton. Yeah. Uh, playing, he plays a way that's completely different to Slampton. He plays long ball, doesn't really press. So it did surprise me why Slampton would go for, for him in terms of the playing style. Um, but he was quite an aggressive coach. Quite, you know, he wants his team to be quite physical, and I could see the thinking behind it. But the issue is, is that it's not really worked. And when the results aren't going very well, you'll know that as well, Ian. Is that yeah. Slampton fans want to see an identity, and at the moment, the identity is hoofball, and that's why you know patience is already wearing thin for him. I, I was going to come on to that because I, I was listening to, let's just say, a, a major football radio station, and they. They put the rod out for fans to call in and, and talk about Nathan Jones. And, and it seems, again, from the outside, that his job may already be sort of on the line. Is, is that fair? 
I think it's fair to say. I think uh, if they if they get a heavy beating at Goodison, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's really up in the air. Um, you know, it's purely because of what we've seen so far. You know, if you if Southampton were losing games but playing well, you maybe they're going to benefit a doubt. But one of the reasons why he came in is because they saw that run of fixtures of Brighton, Fulham, Forest, and Everton straight off the World Cup break, and that was their Southampton's window of opportunity to win games. But the problem is, is that they haven't won a game yet. They go into Goodison with a horrendous record there. If they lose or if they fail to win a game in those four, then Slumpton's win opportunity is gone. And that's why you probably think maybe a new manager will have to come in. So as unfair as it sounds from the outside, you can probably see the thinking of if they were to part ways with him. Where you are now, 100% is probably not where you expected to be. I'm, I'm talking position-wise. However, in a relegation battle halfway through the season, was that where... I know fans' expectancy is always higher than that, but realism is... is when fans expect certain things, the realism is probably a little bit lower. Where, where do you think the fan base expected to be in the summer going into the season? Did they expect a relegation battle? Yeah, well, I mentioned the changes they made in the summer, and I thought I think Sanford thought this was quite a consolidating season in terms of just stay up. And then with those young players having one season under their belts, Lavia, Belakocha, they'll kick on next year and hopefully push mm. top 12, top 10. Uh, but they didn't expect to be bottom. I know there's not that much of a gap, so two or three months will get them out of it. I think if they were thinking, they're probably hoping at this time, 15th, 16th, showing some promising signs, these youngsters getting better. But yeah. currently at the moment, these youngsters, obviously, you know, it's natural for them. They're tailing off the flat line in, the, in their form. Um, so, you know, fans probably would have expected a better fight than this. But, you know, their, their expectations aren't vast. They're not trying to think they're going to get top 10 or Europe. They just want survival this season mainly. Yeah, that's fair. Look, before we move on to the game, what we always like to do is just like to talk about a person or an individual who links the clubs together. I was looking at players who played for both and someone before our time, Alan Ball, he links the club. I don't yeah. expect to talk about that because it's all memories. But someone who, in my opinion, and I don't speak for the fan base, but in my opinion, really started the, the rot that we're in was Ronald Koeman with an open book. <laughs> He came in in 2016. I, I think Southampton put a fight up to, to keep Ronald Koeman. They couldn't want to let him go. And then he got into Europe in season one. And he, it was like giving a child every car in a grocery store. Everything was wrong. Every player was wrong. And he, and he was sacked. And we're still trying to recover from them. That's his legacy at Everton. What, what's his legacy at Southampton, Ronald Koeman? That's really interesting you say that, Ian, because Southampton... Ronald Koeman is probably the most successful manager Slampton have had since they got to Premier League. He's got him to back-to-back finishes in the, in Europe, sixth and seventh, their highest ever. Um, and he actually left on the final, uh, going into his final year of his contract while Slampton were going into the European League group stages where they play into Milan and the least. So Slampton were doing well. Yeah. And it just felt at the time, Slampton were going straight from strength. So when they saw Everton come in for him and Ronald Koeman being quite keen, I know Everton are a bigger club, People thought, hold on, you've got quite, you know, your fans like you. Things are going really well here. Why are you leaving for Everton? It just shows a lack of loyalty. You know, if it's a top four club, then you think, fair enough. But Everton, you know, looked like a bit of a sideways step at the time. And then, so to see what he did at Everton, he must, you know, in hindsight, really should regret going there. Because Slampton had a really quite stable base. They had great players at the time. You know, Wan Yama, Van Dijk. These were top, top players. Um, And at their best, especially Wan Yama. And then he, then he left. And then that's basically, like yours, started a decline at Slampton because they've gradually got worse as well. I think the best thing that, that you, you as a club done, and it hurt us, is, is when we did bring him in, 
I think I think there was a, an agreement that we wouldn't go after any of your players. And some of your players there, when we, when we had that money, you know, imagine yeah. we decided to Sadio Mane or, or a Virgil van Dijk instead yeah. of, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Davy Klassen. It, it all went very, very wrong. But we'll, we'll move on from Ronald Koeman. We'll, we'll move towards this game. Um, the feeling amongst the Everton fans at the moment is, is one of worry. There's going to be protests after the game. There's banners that have been made and some fan groups are doing a sit-in protest against the running of the club. Flip side of that, if there's also going to be a coach welcome for the team where the fans are going to welcome the team and, and really try and get the team over the line. So that's where we are. A little bit of chaos at Everton Football Club. <laughs> it wouldn't be Everton Football Club without it. How are your fans feeling going into this? Is there a fear of this game? Is there an expectancy or a hope? Or not, not, a, not a hope, maybe an expectancy of getting a result at Goodison? No, no I, don't think, I think expectations are very low. Slumpton fans are, you know, I wouldn't say they're as angry as uh, Everton fans are towards the board, but they are, you know, extremely doubtful about these new owners. Um, I don't think Slumpton fans have got, got it in them or they, they're not typically supporters to protest or show they're feeling like that uh but they are very unhappy and i've, yeah. I've joked around with uh paddy boylan who works for the athletic and the everton about there might be a boo off uh, during the game because both fans <laughs> just completely hate or dislike their the way the club's running at the moment so um yeah i think expectations are very low and i think slanter fans are are yeah i know everton have been you know atrocious these last couple of months but there's there's no expectation that they'll get anything from goodison park yeah, wow. Um, how will the team set up? You, you, you've alluded to the style there. The style's different. There's, there's more of a, a long ball aspect. Mm. What what I think Everton will do is I, I think we'll continue now to play the difficult to beat, which is three centre halves. Um, <laughs> and, and they'll if, if Donald Carver Lewin's fit, he'll be absolutely massive in this game. But you're certainly not going to see from Everton a setup that's going to be free flowing and attacking. It's going to be cautious and maybe set up to try and win one nil. How will Southampton set up? Do you feel? It might be quite a stodgy game then. Um, Salam, Nathan Jones uh, has changed system, I think, 11 times in four games. So <laughs> you don't really know. He went back to back four in the cup game, but his ideal formation is a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2, however you want to say it. And he actually wants to have five centre-backs in by the end of this window, hence why he's very interested in Michael Keane. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he does go back to that back three, despite winning on the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, he wants... He wants to go long. He wants to ideally play with two strikers, Shea Adams, another player that Everton were interested in, uh, and you know either Adam Armstrong or Joe Rebo up there. Um, and he he look to go go long and pragmatic as well. So it could be a, could be a game where it gets quickly to an impasse because both teams are trying to play the same way and both are so low on confidence. Yeah, not that we promote gambling on this podcast, but do not do both teams to score if you're watching this. I can't, I can't see it. I can't even see it over one and a half. I think the Evertonians, um, and this may sound strange to any Southampton fans who are watching on the hashtag, but I think the Evertonians are going to be massive in this game. I think how the Evertonians yeah. will get behind the team, and maybe if we do have a bad start or, or go one nil down, we've already showed that that team do react at time. Last season, they reacted to... Coach welcomings, they reacted to the fans getting behind them. Mm. So I think the Evertonians are going to be, be massive. I, I don't know whether you, you'll bring large numbers to, to counter that. Um, I, I know Southampton fans are always loud, just, just despite the numbers. So I think the fans for Southampton maybe as well. Is, is it fair to say that they'll play a big part in this? Yeah, they will. And I think it was really telling um, at the Crystal Palace game when Southampton went 1-0 down. Fans were in the 25th minute, I think it was, they're all already singing about Nathan Jones and his football and it's really quite negative. Yeah. Um, and Santa fans are like that. They're not known, for, you know. They're known for giving managers a lot of patience, a lot of backing. So that was quite telling. Um, but I do think, you know, 
fans love going to Goodison Park. You know, obviously there's not many more away days there, uh, so they'll, they'll try and make the most of it now. Um, you know, it's really important that they do get behind the team because I'm sure Everton, you know, if you, you know, Samson have only kept one clean sheet this season, the, the fewest in, in all of England. So, um, you know, we, they are very vulnerable. And I think Everton fans, you know, if you if you sense blood, then I think you'll probably go for it. And especially if you start well, Samson will try and weather the storm in that first 45 minutes. But if Samson fans don't see, you know, any, any real progression trying to attack... Uh, they'll quickly uh, get on the backs of the players, but most, most especially Nathan Jones. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fascinating game. We'll ask we'll ask for a prediction at the end, but just to spin it a little bit, my opinion on Southampton before I ask you yours on Everton is in, in Shea Adams, you've got a real chance now because we've shown last season it just takes eight or nine goals in the second half of the season, like we had with Richarlison. Yeah make the difference and if you win three games and all one nil and teams like Everton and teams like Bournemouth aren't winning it's everything I think you've got that so I think you've got a fighting chance on the flip side what's your view on on our predicaments and and how the season may play out for Everton do, do, do you feel this could be a year that we're in really big trouble or do we have too much in your opinion to come out of it Everton always just feel like they could unravel at any second from the outside um, yeah. but I always feel like especially at Goodison they you, you managed to get over the line you know you, we saw that last year was it against Crystal Palace was it that? Crystal Palace yeah yeah I remember watching that thinking that you know the fans made played a massive part in that and I always feel like yeah, their home support your home support is is unparalleled probably to anyone in and around the relegation zone um, yeah. and, and you know, if you, you guys turn up and you give them the backing off the coach and stuff, that's a massive part. And I always feel like Everton, as, although it unravels, it, at those key moments and those final moments of the season, they'll, they'll pull through with a big result and that that will keep them clear. So I, I wouldn't expect Everton to go down. I think, they've, I think they've probably got too much. You look at the quality Everton have got. I know, you know, it looks quite a dysfunctional squad and quite Frankenstein at the moment. But I look at the quality and Slamton can't compete with that in terms of investment either. So I do think they'll, they'll have enough for sure. And then the counter question, the flip question is my my opinion on Everton is that we are in trouble. I, I do yeah. feel this. I do feel we're on a knife edge. I think we could very easily win a couple of games and, and we'd be okay and the manager be okay. But I can also very very easily see a Southampton victory and then a West Ham victory the following week. Yeah. A manager sacking and chaos. Do I think Everton on a knife edge. How about you with Southampton? Are you are you fearful this season, or do you feel there's enough to come out of this? Yeah, I think Southampton have been on a knife edge for, for this, throughout the first part of the season. To be honest, with you, um, it does feel like maybe it's coming towards the end of their Premier League stay. Maybe a reset in the Championship would be quite good. But Southampton have, have always, you know, managed to pull it out of the bag with a run of form where they'll probably win four out of six games, and that'll be enough. Yeah. Um, I and I do think Southampton really needed that. I kind of expected that straight after the World Cup break. It's not quite happened. But I do feel Southampton will will get their act together, and I don't know if it's going to be enough to stay up, but they will get some sort of identity, um, and it's just hopeful they do. But they've got a lack of goals. You know, they tried to sell Shea Adams in the summer, and he's their top scorer of you know five five goals. Yeah. Um, they've got they haven't got really got a striker. Um, they tried to sign Cody Gakpo and Gonzalo Ramos in the summer, and it was so close to getting done. And if either them two came in, then Southampton wow. would be in a different position. But the problem is they haven't got that striker, and. You know, in previous seasons, you could always count on Danny Ings or Amanda Brozier to put to pull them out of it. And now this year, it's now Shea Adams. Um, so I think that's probably going to be the defining factor in whether they stay up. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's time to put your, your name on, on the line and your reputation on the line. What's, what scores are going to be, Jacob? Do you know what? I, I always go for a Stamford win every game apart from Man City away. 
and I never get it right. So I am going to stick with a 2-1 winner for Southampton, but that's just me uh, with my heart rather than head. <laughs> I'll, I'll counter that. I, I, I think Everton will win 1-0 on Saturday. I, I don't think it's going to be a game of excitement. I think it's going to be both sets of fans, fans are nervous that made this play onto the pitch. But I, I think Everton, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin and his fit, will, will have enough to, to, to put one in and then keep Southampton out. Yeah. Um, is there anything coming up over on, on The Athletic that you want to plug or, or any of your own pieces? I, I, I've been reading lots of great things on The Athletic about the Ronaldo deal and yeah. the at the World Cup. Really good. Have you got much coming up that you want to plug? Yeah, we've got a few things. I think slams are really important because usually slams is quite a non-plus team. Not many people care about them. But I think Everton fans are real finding quite a... Uh, similarities in terms of how their club has run with Southampton at the moment. We've done a few pieces um, with, uh, in terms of how the club's run and the structure changes. Yeah. And I think I think Everton fans would probably appreciate that because I see what's going on with you and Rashiri. <laughs> it doesn't look good either. So um, maybe if you want to take some solace in seeing another club in dysfunction, then come on over. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Jacob, it's been great. We really appreciate your time. You look like you're on your lunch. So really, really great. You've given us 30 minutes into your, into your lunch hour to talk about the big game. Um, all the best for the rest of the season for the club. All the best for you and your, your career. If you ever want to pop back on and talk some football, there's an opening invite for you, okay? Of course, any time. And yeah, I really appreciate that, guys. Cheers, Jacob. Thank you.